Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Obesity is a significant risk factor for COVID. And for other countries, the pandemic has been a kind of wake-up call when it comes to diet-related diseases. In the U.S., not so much. Obesity is one of the most significant risk factors for serious illness and death. That's food and agriculture reporter Helena Bademiller-Evich, who's been seeing how the U.S. stacks up against other countries that have been galvanized to confront the issue. The U.S. government, when you look at the approach taken, you know, is not really prioritizing addressing diet-related diseases. I think the reporting shows that pretty clearly. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, COVID, obesity, and where the U.S. response has fallen short. Hi, folks. I want to bring you up to speed with something that's happening today, which is that I've developed mild symptoms of the coronavirus. That's to say a temperature and a, a persistent cough. I think about a month into sort of America's shutdown during the pandemic. So in April 2020, Boris Johnson uh, announced that he had tested positive for coronavirus, and he ended up getting quite sick. He ended up in the ICU. Just breaking news coming into us within the past few seconds. The British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been admitted to intensive care with those persistent symptoms of And after he recovered, he really started talking openly about the role he believed his obesity played in the severeness of his illness. I've always wanted to lose weight for ages and ages. And I, like I think many people, I struggle with my weight, go up and and down. But since I, I recovered from coronavirus, I've been steadily building up my fitness. And a few months later, you see Boris Johnson, who is a, you know, a conservative who has in the past railed against the nanny state, actually launch a government-wide strategy to try to tackle obesity in the UK. It includes like restrictions on junk food advertising during the day, a new mandate to have healthier food in the checkout line at grocery stores, mandated calorie labels, really trying to use the whole government to encourage healthier habits. And this is something he has continued to talk about. So you have Boris Johnson making this sweeping effort after his sickness. It's kind of fascinating here in the U.S., we have a direct parallel. Then President Trump, who himself has obesity, also contracted COVID last year. What did we see from him? President Trump ended up in the hospital for three days, was was quite sick. New Friday evening D.C. time. Donald Trump being taken to hospital hours after testing positive for COVID-19. The U.S. president airlifted to Walter Reed Medical Center. But got you know a lot of... Uh, treatment that was successful. And he, I think, tweeted a few days later that he was feeling better than he had in 20 years. Uh, I came here, wasn't feeling so well. I feel much better now. We're working hard to get me all the way back. I have to be back because we still have to make America great again. I think I'll be back soon. And I look forward to... So there there really wasn't a connection made in the same personal way that there had been with Boris Johnson. Uh, But I think if you zoom out, uh, the United States and, you know, the Coronavirus Task Force, the White House, both administrations really have not been uh, pairing their coronavirus messaging with this 
bigger issue of diet-related disease and really driving home how much more vulnerable Americans were to the pandemic and still are uh, because of these diseases and our increasing rates of obesity and diabetes and hypertension and cardiovascular disease. What sort of data do we have at this point and what do we know about the link between diet-related diseases and obesity and coronavirus? Yeah, so obesity is one of the most significant risk factors for serious illness and death uh, due to coronavirus. So researchers have estimated nearly two-thirds of the COVID-19 hospitalizations in the U.S. were related to obesity, diabetes, hypertension, and heart failure. And we have seen studies where, you know, severe obesity, which is like a BMI or body mass index of 45 or higher, uh, there are studies showing that, you know, people who have that disease are about a third more likely to be hospitalized, more than 60% more likely to die uh, compared to individuals without those diseases. So it is a really significant risk factor. And we did see, um, you know, when when the country first started rolling out the vaccine, uh, we did see, you know, some acknowledgement of like folks who have obesity are at higher risk. And so they were further up in the line to get vaccinated. But what we haven't seen is real messaging around like, what is it that the United States should be doing about these deep rooted health problems we have and how to make us less vulnerable to the next pandemic? We talked a bit before about the messaging or lack of messaging under the Trump administration surrounding all of this. Have we seen any shift at all under Biden? I think we've seen a general policy shift under President Biden, for sure. But the, the it hasn't changed that there, you know, there isn't any real new focus uh, when we talk about coronavirus at the top levels of government in terms of how it connects to obesity and other diet-related diseases. And really the next step, which is then what should we be doing about that? I mean, we have no national strategy. We have no systems-wide approach. You know, we have not seen any big call to action like some other countries have as they've sort of recognized the link between the pandemic and how vulnerable uh, their citizens have become. Actually, in Mexico, there's a few states that have gone as far as banning junk food sales to children. So there are places in the country, Chile has some really aggressive policies. And, you know, not that the same kinds of things would fly here, but it is a really interesting contrast to see the lack of conversation here at the highest levels of government. Yeah, it's interesting reading your story, too, and how you mentioned that we're about to go into a third year of this pandemic. And when you consider some of these connections between the virus and obesity, how much of a difference it could make long term, especially when we consider coronavirus being something that could be around us for a while, if the U.S. were able to make a a tangible difference here, what actions could be taken to change the situation? Yeah, I think health advocates really want to see much higher level attention to this. So, you know, bringing in policy leaders and business leaders and, you know, public health researchers and sort of corralling everyone to kind of get serious and get around the table and propose some real solutions. So we're we're not seeing any of that really, really happen right now. But, you know, there's uh, there's some action looking at, you know, expanding uh, food stamp benefits. So one of the things the administration has argued is, well, if we increase food stamp benefits, that could, you know, help people eat healthier. There isn't a lot of evidence for that. And conservatives have really criticized those moves and say, 
look, you know, you can buy whatever you want with food stamp benefits and this isn't necessarily going to nudge people to to eat healthier. So there's all sorts of things. I mean, countries have looked at, you know, marketing restrictions. They've looked at taxes, like sin taxes on sugary drinks or sugar or high salt or high fat foods. I mean, there's a lot of policies that countries are starting to try and it's, you know, it's a really difficult problem to tackle. I mean, it's deep-seated in, you know, inequality and healthcare access and poverty and lack of access to parks and lack of access to safe walking paths and, you know, access to healthy food. There's so many layers to this and it is a really complex issue. It is not something that you can simply look at in terms of personal choices or personal responsibility. It is a complex disease that requires a lot of intervention and healthcare. Um, it is not just a personal sort of liberty issue, which is, I think, how we think about it a lot. It is a really a systems problem. So I think the you know the researchers I'm talking to are really feeling the need to um, have a lot of leadership on this, and they want to see kind of all the sectors come together and take this seriously. Where could some sort of action on this begin? Like, is this something that comes from Congress? Is this something that could come straight from the White House? Like, when we do talk about some of these big ideas, um, I don't know, who, who could actually pull that off? And like, how could they pull it off? It's a really good question. I think that's sort of part of the challenge here is, you know, one of the things I cite in my story is that Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, who is in his second spin uh, in this job, he was also Agriculture Secretary during the Obama administration, you know, he's really the only high-level Biden administration official that routinely talks about diet-related diseases and nutrition security and sort of this broader challenge that our country is facing. So, you know, USDA is one place, uh, but they, you know, they do nutrition programs, but they don't, you know, regulate food labeling. That's over at FDA. So FDA has food labeling and food safety and some nutrition initiatives over there, like they're trying to get food companies to voluntarily cut sodium so there's a lot of pieces of the government that have a hand in this. Um, even thinking about like, you know, what committee in Congress has jurisdiction, it's sort of spread out. And actually this next week, uh, the Senate Agriculture Committee's, one of their subcommittees on nutrition is going to have a hearing just on nutrition in the U.S. And it's, it's actually kind of rare to have a, a hearing on that issue because I think in part it cuts across so many committees and it's kind of everywhere and nowhere in terms of who has responsibility for it. There is a push uh, among some members of Congress to try to get the White House to hold a White House conference on food, nutrition, and hunger to really elevate these issues. So far, the White House uh, isn't quite sold on it, but there's a lot of conversations happening right now, uh, and that's definitely something to watch going forward. Helena Bademiller-Evich, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also today, G20 leaders are backing action to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. According to a G20 official who spoke with Politico, the deal was finalized at the summit Sunday morning after all-night talks between diplomats. Reaching an agreement in Rome was widely seen as an important step ahead of the COP26 UN climate summit, which began in Glasgow yesterday. And the Biden administration will ease tariffs on steel and aluminum imports from the European Union. The agreement reached over the weekend resolves a Trump-era tension that for years has tarnished trade relations between the longtime allies. The EU will be permitted to send a set amount of steel and aluminum each year into the U.S., duty-free under the new arrangement. 
The White House hasn't specified how much will be allowed or what the duties will be on imports that exceed the limits, but the current tariffs are 25% for steel and 10% for aluminum. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, tell a friend to check out the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.